RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. If you've been listening to some of the doctors and medical experts that we've had on the program since we've been going, a lot of them have mentioned eggs as a very good part of the diet. In fact, part of a restorative diet, but we don't need to go into those details now. If you've been listening, you've heard that. So we want to find out more about eggs, as you do. Michael Brooks is the Executive Director of the Poultry Industry Association of New Zealand, and he joins us to talk poultry, but mainly eggs. Michael, if you don't mind, but yes. um, welcome to the to the program. Nice to have you. Thank you. Where would we be without poultry? I remember a guy telling me in the United States once, that if you wanted to starve Americans, just take out all the chickens. <laughs> yeah, that would probably be a fair comment. I mean, we eat, um, we eat poultry meat. We eat uh, probably about 36 kgs. I think the Americans eat over 40 kgs. We also eat about 240 eggs per person per year. Wow. Not quite as high as the Japanese. They eat 300 per person per year, but we are big egg eaters. How come the Japanese eat more eggs? What What is it about? Uh, is that just part uh, of their culture? Or their a, just a part of their culture. Eggs are, you know, they are big, big egg consumers. Japanese and Mexicans, I think, are the two top countries in terms of egg consumption. But we're in the top 25% around the world of egg consumers. <clears throat> we love our eggs. So how big is the industry? Because, you know, unless you go into areas, you, you probably don't even know it's it's there. So, so yeah. what sort of is the size of the industry that you are sitting above? Okay, so the Egg Producers Federation is the organisation that looks after commercial egg farmers. A commercial egg farm is defined as 100 hens or more. That was a figure that um, John Tamahiri, when he was the Minister for Small Business, put in place because what you have in New Zealand is Every layer farm is visited at least annually by an M a Ministry for Primary Industry inspector to check the food safety elements of the farming operation. It's called a risk management program. So everyone has 100 hens or more must have a risk management program. Or if they have, say, 50 or 60, but they sell to the local dairy, they must also have a risk management program to just ensure the safety of the eggs. Right. Okay. And how many of those sizes are around? Operators around? Are there lots so, of little operators? Look, it's, yeah, it's it's changed a little bit. So the Egg Producers Federation is funded by what is called a commodity levy. So there's a piece of legislation in New Zealand called the Commodity Levies Act, and under that, industries can go to the government and say, "We, as an industry, we're going to have a vote, and if we get a majority, we want to." get a compulsory levy put on, we want to use it for science or marketing. Now, the egg industry wanted to do that for marketing, so a vote was held, and it's been held every... It has to be held every six years. It's been going for 30 years, and each time it's been approved. And what happens is the idea was to get a levy on eggs, but how could you collect that? So the idea is that it's actually put on the price of the day-old chicks, when they're purchased from the hatcheries, the two hatcheries that supply either shaver or highline birds, that 36 cents is for each chick is sent to the Egg Producers Federation to run the federation, and we give about 65% of that to an organisation called Eggs Incorporated. It's a marketing arm, and they do those ads like an egg a day is now okay, all that stuff you see about marketing. So it's generic marketing. So that's how it's funded. 
that's how it's run. Yeah, there was a time there's a, Sorry, there's about 100... There's currently 126 commercial farms, um, colony, barn or free range. Um, we did have 145 a, a couple of years ago, but we've lost a lot of the small free ranges. COVID really knocked the stuffing out of them and they just couldn't continue. Okay. Uh, well, that leads on to an obvious uh, um, sort of follow-up question because there's been talk of supply chain issues in yep. eggs. Is that part of that? And But surely that's not the whole picture. No, um, it's not. So... No. So let's. So we'll go. Through, probably need to do a little bit of history, I, I think, because it helps explain things. So, way back, probably the end of the Second World War or so, people pretty much just had their hens. There wasn't a huge, huge supply, but you saw society changing, and so, and that saw women going to work. You saw the rise of the supermarkets, who wanted volume and consistency. And you saw migration, and it's rather interesting. Dutch migration wasn't big into New Zealand, but it was a few percent. But a lot of the Dutch migrants who came here got into layer hen farming. They knew about it back in Holland, and they knew about cage farming. And with cage, you can do volume. At that time, you know, there were a lot of health issues for birds in the environment, So, and there weren't great vaccines or antibiotics, so they... Um, went into cage farming. That gave certainty of supply, gave the supermarkets the ability to provide volume, and it all built on itself. Then you had the social changes as people started to say after a while, well, hey, cages, uh, the old-style cage, what the activists call a battery cage, which was four hens in a pretty barren cage with the eggs just dropping down onto a belt, uh, sorry, yeah, onto a belt that's taken away and the feces from the birds going into a belt underneath. So even if the cages were on top of another, all the feces was captured before it went down. Um, and people said, hey, that's not good enough. Let's go to free range. And so you had the growth of free range. And so what we had in New Zealand was pretty much free, uh, a small free range sector and what's called current or battery cages. In New Zealand, all our agricultural species are governed by codes of welfare. There's an Animal Welfare Act, and under that there's a code of welfare in each species, the meat chickens, the cows, the dogs, everything, horses, have a code of welfare. And there was a layer hen code of welfare. And in 2012, with the agreement of the industry, it was agreed that those old-style cages would go. And the options that were going to be available were free range, which is a big shed, but with the ability for the birds to go outside. Barn, which was very small in New Zealand, very big in Europe, but very small in New Zealand, which is a big barn, but no access to the outdoors. And a larger cage called a colony cage, which is a cage that has between, depends on the mate, between 20 or 60 birds, it has more space, has more height, has a nesting area, has perches for all the beds, birds, and a scratch pad. And those were the three options. Now, in 2012, 84% of the birds, that's what, about three and a half million, so eight, you take out 84% of that, were in the old-style cages. <clears throat> and the code said 60% of those birds have to be out of the old-style cages then go into whatever system of those other three systems. 
but 60% have to go by 2018, another 20% by 2018, and the final 40% by the, sorry, by 2020, and the final 40% by the end of 2022. Now, that went reasonably smoothly. In fact, in 2018, about 33% of the flock were in colonies. But then people started, because to go into free range, you have to buy a whole new farm, and, people, and then to go into barn, people didn't really know about it. And in New Zealand, barn eggs are sold often as cage-free. If you're in a supermarket, you see cage-free, it means it's barn. Yeah, I've seen those. Sorry, yeah. this is detailed, but... No, no, it's interesting. It's interesting. Yeah. Carry on. And then in 2017-18, the supermarkets, first countdown and followed very closely by foodstuff, said, as from 2025-26, we're not going to take the colony eggs because that's still a cage in our view and we don't like it. The customers don't like it. And it was a very short consultation period. And anyway, that's what they decided. And that's through the farmers, because for a lot of the farmers in the old style cages, their sheds, which often last 40, 50 years, they could just rip out the old style systems and put in the colonies. And suddenly that option was taken away from them. And as I said, 33% of the flock, that's well over a million, about a million and a half birds, were already in colonies. And suddenly... Right. They'd spent a million dollars plus going into a quality system, and they were being told, hey, in about eight years' time, your investment is worthless if you sold to supermarkets because we're not going to take them. And that's through the farmers as to what, what was their decision moving forward. Like a lot of farmers, they were older farmers. They looked and said, do I want to spend millions more buying a free-range farm? It's not a system I know. Do I want to get into barn? Don't know how it works. Well, can work out how it works, but it's not a system I know. And there was a real sense of confusion. Then came COVID. Then came the Ukraine war with grain prices. And what that all led to was a real lack of confidence. So we went from actually a glut of eggs in 2020, which got no media coverage. No, not, <laughs> none at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so we had 4.2 million hens at that stage. And so people started, well, A, people weren't making many money when it was 4.2, so they stopped ordering chicks, and then all these other things happened, as all these other complexities, and instead of sort of stabilising around 3.8 million, it just kept dropping to down to where we are now, which is 3.4 million. Right. And with that, okay. less number of hens, not enough eggs. And then you had inflation. And so air prices in the last, I think it's the last year, two years, have gone up 50%. I've, no, I've noticed. Yeah, well, yeah. you mentioned grain yeah. from Ukraine. Tell us about that. What, what's okay. up with the grain thing? In New Zealand, we have wheat grown in the South Island, but it's cheaper to import, believe it or not, wheat from Western Australia to the North Island than it is to bring it up from the South Island. And then there are other things like sorghum you bring from overseas. Soya bean meal because of proteins. There, chicken, we have meat and bone meal goes into chicken feed, but we as an industry have always had a, a New Zealand policy. We never feed poultry meat and bone meal to poultry. Don't feed like to like. There's no meat. It's not like meat and it's not like mad cow disease. There's no science against it. Well, we just yeah. don't do it anyway. You're philosophically um, against it. Is that what you're saying? Philosophically against it. So that's our position. But in terms of, so grain prices really fix at a world price because people buy all over the world. 
So we don't actually import from Ukraine, but Ukraine is such a huge player in the world grain market, particularly on wheat. And so when that tam out of the market, all the rest of the prices go up. So farmers sell at the world price. So that's why grain prices have gone up. And grain goes into animal feed. And to raise a meat chicken or to, for an egg, 65 to 70% of the cost is the feed. So if you raise grain prices by right. 60%, the fact that actually the price of an egg has gone up only 50% is there's certainly no price gouging going on there. It's just keeping keeping track with what the costs are. But, man, it's been tough. Sounds like a perfect egg storm. Yes. A perfect <laughs> omelette. <laughs> yes, yes. So to speak. You're a pretty mixed up omelette. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Got to break a few eggs to make an omelette. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, so, the, so I mean, I know there's been comments on these farmers knew they had to get out. They should have organised themselves better. But it was cracking all right in 2018. But by 2020 and by certainly by the end of last year, just all these other complexities were coming into it. And it's got, it became, you know, just complicated. People, farmers lost confidence. It's coming back. We, we as, as I say, there's two hatcheries. And we know from the chip numbers that moving forward, we probably should be at 3,650,000 by July, August. Okay, so that's another couple of hundred thousand more on the scene. By the end of the year, 3.8. That's a pretty good figure. But remember, if um, if you order a chip, it takes 18 to 20 weeks before they start laying eggs. So it's all very well to go, oh, we're short of eggs now. Let's get some hens and um, it'll be all right tomorrow. No, it'll be five months before they start laying. Right. We've seen, interestingly, a real surge in uh, people buying like 100 birds or um, uh, just really in the last couple of months. So clearly every man and his dog thinks I'll buy 100 hens and I'll make a killing on eggs. The trouble is in five months' time, the prices will start to stabilise because there'll be more supply back in the market. But that's the way... Oh, well, I, I guess people, they give it a go, don't they? And it obviously gets to, what, just under that threshold of 100 that you talked about so they're not caught up in the... Um, well, they're not re- caught up in the government regulations. But then if they're selling to... you, If you have less than 100 and you're selling at the gate or you're selling to a farmer's market, you don't have to get a risk management permit because it's deemed that the purchaser can talk to the farmer and see what they're selling, which is... Okay. Yeah, it's an argument that I had some difficulties with. But if, you are, if you've got 60 hens and... Um, sorry about that. Um, it's the chairman of the Egg Producers Federation just ringing oh, okay. me. Okay, um, I'm not going to get into trouble. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> if, um, if you're selling to the local dairy, then... You really are. You're meant to have a risk management program because you're selling to members of the public. Right. Yeah. We have you... incredibly healthy eggs in New Zealand. We don't have a major. Lots of countries overseas have real problems. Uh, Salmonella, in particular, we don't. And where, how does that happen? Is that um, the 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 laying chicken gets infected with something and it, and it passes through to the egg? How does yeah, that work? So a couple of years ago, there was an outbreak of Salmonella enteritis, which was a real shock to us. That's a really bad uh, form of Salmonella. And um, uh, we were a bit mystified. It turned out to be in one of the hatcheries, which was truly astonishing. We don't know how it got there. 
But we, um, working with the New Zealand Food Safety, we tested every layer farm in the country. We identified where the problem was, and there hasn't been an outbreak since July 2021. We think we've eliminated it, so that's quite good. The thing about New Zealand is New Zealand is the best place in the world to grow poultry. So around the world, there are three major poultry businesses. They're like the foot and mouth of poultry. So there's highly pathogenic avian influenza, bird flu. There's another one called Newcastle disease and the third one called infectious bursal disease, sometimes called Gumboro disease from Gumboro, Delaware, where it was first found. Um, and we are the only country in the world that doesn't have those three diseases. So we do extremely low levels of vaccination and antibiotic use as a result because there's just not the disease risks that other countries have. Yeah, there'd be a problem with the um, the consumers out there more and more now with thinking or having in their consciousness things like vaccination and sort of medical yep. intervention in what they want to be as, I would imagine, as pure as a food as possible. Yeah. So we we vaccinate against one poultry disease called Marix. So they put one vaccination. I remember talking to a gentleman who's just retired. He was a British farming manager for one of the big egg companies, and he said being a farming manager in New Zealand was the easiest for layer and was the easiest job in the world. He said in the UK, the company he worked for, they did 18 vaccinations. Correct. Yeah. But he said here it's one, and they grow so well for that reason because they're not fighting against the impact of the vaccination. And it's the same with... Well, that's interesting. So it has a downside for them. Um, is there a yeah. multiple? Yeah. Okay. Is that uh, is that why are we incredibly vigilant? Obviously, then in uh, the border well, stopping. Yeah, incredibly coming. vigilant. There is you cannot import shell eggs into New Zealand. You cannot import raw poultry. You can import raw turkey and duck, but the rules that we got MPI to adopt for that mean that it can only come from places where there are you know where the farms are not at risk from those diseases I talked about. And most countries look at the New Zealand market, you know, like the States or Thailand, and they go, well, are we going to set off a little compartment made up that are free from these diseases for a market the size of New Zealand? No, they're not. And it enables us for Michigan to be the only country that can export to Australia. Because Australia likes to claim it doesn't have those diseases, but it does. <laughs> okay. Drives yeah. the Americans mad, a bit like the New Zealand apples. Um, but they can't stop New Zealand meat chicken going in there. So to there, it took a number of years, but like trying to get apples in there, but we succeeded a few years ago. So Teagle does a bit of export into um, Australia. We export meat chicken to United Emirates. Um, so if you flying on, Emirates Airlines, you'll be eating teagle chip. Okay. Um, and, and eggs we export to the Pacific Islands, Singapore and Hong Kong. But shell hmm. eggs are an expensive product to export if you don't have a land border. So you move them around in Europe, but as soon as you start air freighting or shipping eggs, there's not a huge margin. So egg exports are generally processed here. Right. You mentioned the supermarkets before and how they yep. kind of were involved in dictating 
what type of eggs were going to be acceptable, you know, um, free range yeah. uh, colony, that, and that's being phased out, I think, is, is what you said. That's a yeah. lot of power for just yes. a retail food industry to have, uh, and that's that's what they do. And, and it just had me thinking that they're in a, in a position to really dictate what people ultimately eat, really, aren't they? Well, they're about that. 53% of all the eggs of the New Zealand are sold through supermarkets. <clears throat> so they had to have a couple of things, so they control that in a, in a big way. Um, my, dis- my argument with the supermarkets was when they said 2017, 2018, people, they didn't argue on welfare grounds because, you know, the reports are quite clear that Colony, Barn and Free Range are all good welfare in different ways, but they're all equally good. That's what was actually said in the, uh, in the report by the experts who put the code in place. So the supermarket said, oh, it's what customers want. And I went, oh, hold on, your national data shows that in 2017 18, 25% had free range. It's not what people wanted that, stuff, and that's nationally. It's only 2022 that finally free range and barn was more popular in supermarkets than, say, Cage and Holland were like, yeah, 55 to 45. Now, that will vary across the country. I'm sure we could go to, well, I often say to media, they say, well, we're, my supermarket is only free range and barn. I go, oh, you shop at Victoria Park, New World and Auckland. Yeah. They go, how do you know that? And I go, well, your media, you live in Ponsonby because media live in Ponsonby because the media companies. I, I used there. to shop there myself. You're absolutely right. <laughs> yeah. And it's a free range and bar. I said, and I said, but let's go to Otara. Let's have a look at what's selling there. And I said, you won't free a free range egg for miles. So I said, it could well be 95, 98% in um, New World Victoria Park, but in Pack and Save Otara, it'll be 100% cage or colony. Because or and it'll be cake trays of twenty, which is a real New Zealand thing. Is a tray of twenty? Oh, eggs. really? The Kiwi. Yeah, thing. it is. You don't see it in Australia. It's um, you buy a tray of twenty eggs. That's a really cost-effective form of protein for a large family. If you want a good protein meal, you buy a tray of eggs, and it won't be free-range eggs. They'll be cage or pollen eggs, and that's a that's a very good meal. Yeah, can anyone so, actually tell the tell the difference? I mean, if you if you put a blindfold around me and lined up all those different sorts of eggs and said, "Okay, taste away, which um, one's the free range one?" Would I be able to tell? I don't think you can. I mean, there is no you can get more of that natural colouring which the birds get from you know sort of plants, etc. So it'll be more yellow. In fact, it's an interesting thing about New Zealand. There is a colour scale, a bit like a paint scale on egg yolk colour, and it's noted by people even around the world that New Zealanders don't just like yellow eggs, they almost like orange-yellow, like oh, really, really powerful yeah. yellow. Yeah. And if you go to the States, you look at their eggs. And you no, they're pale. They look yeah. pale. Yeah, compared, yeah. Been, They have been overwhelmingly cage eggs. Um, but there's, that's just, a, that's just a, a feature of what they're eating from outside. Um we as an industry, I mean, there were a couple of instances in the last few years where people were selling cage eggs as free range. There was a farmer in Northland, um, and then there was a gentleman uh, out near Henderson Valley. But there hasn't been any of that um, 
for about five years now. And um, I'm pretty sure it's not happening because in the industry, someone always tells you that it's what we did as an industry, we put in place a system for egg stamping. So at the farm, the eggs get stamped through the packing machine with a stamp which will have FR for free range, CEL for colony, et cetera, and a code, a three-letter, a three-number, three-digit code. And then from that, you can go to a website we set up called Trace My Egg, and you look at that code and it'll tell you what farm it came from. And that was designed to try and assist on that. It's voluntary, um, taken a while for the supermarkets to buy into it. Um, so that was a system uh, we tried to work on for that try to tell that difference. So, yeah, um, yeah probably I'm, the colour of the yolk is the big thing, but taste okay. I'll be looking out for that now. I've been, I know more about it now. Um, and yeah. in terms of, I mean, it sounds good. Free range sounds good. You can imagine that, you know, the, the, the chooks walking around outside, uh, born free <laughs> or whatever that song is, and, and sort of ranging around. And it feels good to think about that. But as, uh, I suppose, you know, unless you're a chicken, you don't know, but does it really make any difference whether they're in a barn or walking around outside or even in, in a cage? Or is that just, you know, just playing on people's emotions um, and, um, and kind of a marketing thing? Yeah. It's complicated. Like everything in life, it's complicated. Um, there is no question that there is um, that mortality and disease rates are higher in free range and, and barn, uh, particularly free range, not hugely, but they're in the environment, so they're going to be vulnerable to things in the environment. Certainly, the vaccinations that and and we've got now are, are much better. But as I say, New Zealand's pretty um, pretty robust. There's not going to be a huge number of diseases, so that's quite good. Um, <laughs> One of the big issues, and it can really big debates in all of animal welfare is sentience. What do what do animals perceive? You know, human sentience, animal sentience. And sentience yeah. is now recognized in our animal welfare act. Now I've um, got myself not in strife, but I have some disagreements with certainly groups like SPCA, certainly safe, um, and some people saying, I don't disagree with sentience, what I have real problems with, and I'm, I'm not just doing this because I haven't got the scientific expertise, I'm relying on people who really know this stuff, is how do you measure sentience in animals? God, how do you measure sentience in humans? So how do you measure sentience in animals? How do we know if an animal was brought up always in a colony, do they know the difference? I don't well, know. Well, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. yeah. How do they the know? The barn and free range. Hmm. Yeah. So, and, and that's a debate. So, um, <clears throat> we always have a view from the Egg Producers Federation is we believe in the system we have in New Zealand, which is you have an Animal Welfare Act, you have a body called the National Animal Welfare Advisory Committee. It has a vet, New Zealand Veterinary Association representative, has an SPCA representative. As of right, has a federated farmers rep, but we're not members of federated farmers. That's an arable pasture-based organisation. We're not part of them. And then it has a group of experts, and they do all the codes of welfare. And our view is, we'll make submissions to them, 
but will abide by what they say. So they're the ones who outlawed the old style cages in 2012 with that time frame. All those, and that's how we work it. And I, you know, we rely on them. And they're about to do a review of the um, code of welfare. Probably not this year. Probably starting next. Year. And they'll look at that and they'll say, have there been changes in science? Do we look at different systems? And one of the comments is sentience. And if you know, what's the level of sentience? Are the birds? Does a colony? affect the, the sentient animal, and that's yeah. that's way. And when you look at the animal welfare scientists, there's a range of views. Yeah, ways in all things, yeah. As, but it is a feel-good factor, and sometimes, oh, yeah. mean, what do I know, that can cloud the actual, you know, practical um, reality of a situation, and, you know, yeah. you're just making people feel better. It doesn't necessarily... Yeah. Uh, it yeah. might just make it more expensive for people <laughs> to pay for eggs in the end, uh, possibly. Well, see, so that, I, I had this weird debate with Liam Dan on Radio New Zealand, and, and, and you know, I made my concerns about the supermarket decision about colonies. And his comment was, well, they're allowed to make that decision. And my view was, well, why are they making that decision? Well, that's why I asked you the yeah. question. Yeah, you know, and, and they said, who are they? You know, exactly who are they? And you know, he was saying, Oh, it's welfare. And I said, No, it isn't because that's or it certainly wasn't when they made the decision, it was consumer choice. To which my comment is, Well, if it's consumer choice, let it be consumer choice. If people over time go, We don't want colonies anymore, then colonies will go away. But I, I know, I know in certain parts of the country, it won't go away. And maybe for the listeners to Radio New Zealand or et cetera, they you know, they are probably, I'm being probably a little unfair here, a socioeconomic demographic that can afford to go free range. I think you're correct. I think you're yeah. correct. And I've got knowledge of that. Um it's a kind of it it's got a like a little element of woke feel to it, I was thinking. Oh yeah, it does. More than a little element, it's all no, it's being generous. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know you were. <laughs> Yeah, so um, yeah, I, and and when I then I, I I didn't say that I should have afterwards. But I think to myself, well, if it's welfare, why are you importing pork products from overseas when we know that New Zealand pig industry, which gets absolutely hammered for some of its welfare practices, but it is still well ahead of some of the countries which we import pork products from. Uh, I mean, Good point. Yeah, yeah. yeah the, the consistency does lack doesn't it, um, across these things sometimes? And you wonder if we're actually really doing something or just window dressing or whatever, yeah, you know? Yeah. So we talk a lot to the pork industry because, of course, we're both intensive livestock industries. So. I yeah. don't think they like safe either, do they? Uh, no, no. And yet, you know what is the ironic thing of all the industries? MPI does an every year or every month, every quarter, I think, compiles a list of all the farms agricultural setups that they look at for animal welfare breaches. The lowest of any industry is meat chicken, followed very closely by layers, followed very closely by pigs. Those three industries have far less complaints, prosecutions, convictions, I can't remember any for a long time. And if they right. if they are, generally they're livestock blocks, not commercial farmers. It's yeah. the other sectors, but, that, but those intensive livestock are what the activist groups focus on because I guess hens and cages or pigs in a farrowing crate, the visual imagery. Yeah, it looks like a prison. 
and people yeah. can imagine themselves being incarcerated in that way, I guess, yeah. and yeah. the rest flows from there. Just to finish up, just in the bigger picture, um, how is poultry uh, competing with the, you know, the the red meat market or the, the oh, poultry? Meat, chicken, past beef is the number one meat protein in 2001. So we've had 20 years. And actually, as a country, I mean, I grew up like a lot of people, I guess, having lamb. Chicken was something really unusual. Now, um, chicken and pork, we as a nation domestically consume far more white meats than we do red meat. Red meat's an export sector. Okay. I don't know what you do. If I'm eating... Um, a leg, a leg of lamb is, you know, a bit of almost a bit of a treat. No, you're right. Definitely on price. That's for sure. Yeah, and, and unless it's organic, chicken is not a pol- is not a restaurant dish. Duck, duck is, and that's one of the reasons for the growth in duck. It's still relatively small, but that's a restaurant dish. But poultry generally isn't a restaurant dish. Red meats are restaurant dishes and, and or they're export. Right. Okay. Well, it's been really interesting um, chatting with you, um, Michael. Yeah. I've learned a lot, and I'm sure our listeners have as well. And so you think the egg pricing will start to ease off? What, what did you say? Well, at what point towards I the end of the so. year? Yeah, certainly by the end of the year, it'll be back to the supply levels that are optimum. But July, August, you'll st- certainly start to see the numbers. There'll be a couple of hundred thousand more hens around and therefore on a daily basis a couple of hundred thousand more eggs. That's not a lot spread across the country, but I'll just get us over the bump that we're currently in. And you might see a price starting to drift down a bit more to what it was because well, it's 10 bucks at the moment. still got inflation and the grain costs, but certainly that the old, you know, just market supply and demand is always going to even out that price issue to an extent. As now in I'm all things, yeah. Yeah, Uh, yeah, I I can't uh, can't prophesy. Michael Brooks, Executive Director, Poultry Industry Association of New Zealand. Thanks for joining us on Reality Check Radio. We appreciate that. Yeah, my pleasure, Paul. Thank you. RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio.